Mitsubishi, where are your EVs? Every couple of years over the last decade, Mitsubishi's pulled the wraps off an EV concept, but we've seen donuts since the tiny short-lived Imiev, which departed this market in 2012. What's up with that? Welcome. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me on the panel to discuss what on the face of it appears to be Mitsubishi EV fake news are senior journalist Richard Berry. Hello. And our fearless leader, editor Mal Flynn. Hello, gentlemen. Great to be here. We'll also cover off This Week in News and take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving in cars in the garage. And we're on standby to respond to your feedback in the YouTube live stream. So let's get into it. Richard, you've authored an op-ed published in parallel with this podcast that calls Mitsubishi out on its EV inaction, a brand that's regularly crowed about its EV ambitions. What's the thrust of the story? Um, as, as all good things are, uh, I went to the launch of the new Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, or the FEV, as it's affectionately known. Um, and the obvious question for Mitsubishi Australia's big boss, Sean Westcott, was, well, the FEV's great, but where are your EVs? Um, and he got quite defensive. Um as, as you would, defending the company's position and strategy. And that was uh, that Mitsubishi Australia would not bring... ...and green. Yep. Uh, he would not bring uh, electric vehicles to Australia until the infrastructure was in place, so charging and a more robust power grid. Yep. And he would not bring electric vehicles to Australia until Australians we're ready. Um, and my argument in, in, in my op-ed this piece this week was, um, look, Australian consumers are more than ready. Ionic 5 sold out in, in you know, a couple of hours. EV6 is sold out for, for two years in advance. Uh, the Tesla Model 3 was the best-selling passenger car in March. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got people like Michael Irma from Skoda, the brand director there, saying they're jumping straight to electric vehicles in 2023 and they're missing hybrids altogether. I think Australian consumers are absolutely ready. Um, my argument about infrastructure, um, humans aren't very good at planning ahead. You only have to look at the, the national broadband network to see what happens when somebody like a government and private enterprise get together and they try to plan. That was a complete, uh, you know. I think the word is schmozzle. Schmozzle. Schmozzle is the yeah. official word official for that. Yep. Human beings are very good at uh, breaking things and fixing them. And that's that's the, been the key to our uh, existence as a top-line predator on the planet. Um, we're very good at fixing things that are broken. We're very good at handling emergencies. We're not very good at planning in advance. Well, well I wonder, Mal, um, on the face of that, it seems like on the one hand, playing the long game, making sure that you're ready to give customers what they want and so they have a good experience. But the flip side is the cynic might say, oh, you're just sitting on your hands while everyone else is doing the heavy lifting, you know, and, and um, mm. getting the infrastructure in. What do yeah. you make of that? I think Richard made a great point in his story that, you know, when was the last time you saw a business reluctant to make money? Yeah. Uh, and on the topic of, you know, waiting till Australia produces green energy, how on earth does he sleep at night, you know, selling the, the plug-in hybrid EV Outlander that he was launching when he made that comment? Yes. Which, like, the, the whole purpose of that is so you can live the EV life 
uh, and have um, combustion engine when you need to travel a long distance. No doubt there's a certain irony there. You're absolutely right. Touch of irony, yeah. yeah. And, you know, look, I, I support uh, what he says, but um, I agree, Richard. I think there's more to it. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've gone a bit further and I've actually said I reckon they're bluffing and I don't reckon they've got any electric vehicles at all. Mm. I think they've, what they've done is they've invested a lot of money in uh, plug-in hybrid technology and they want to get a return on that investment before they shelve it forever yep. and then bring in electric vehicles. And uh, Sean Westcott was quick to point out that we've got the, uh, the, the Nissan Renault Mitsubishi Alliance um, and he pointed out that it's just like going into a filing cabinet. Richard, we can, we can pick any platform we want and, uh, and produce a Mitsubishi uh, electric vehicle off the yes. back of that platform. Um, I, um, I, don't, I don't disagree. I'm sure the Alliance provides a lot of technology sharing, but even the Alliance came out recently and said they're going to have 35 vehicles, but not until 2030. So right. I, think, I think in a sort of a Mazda kind of way, they spent a lot of time developing technology, uh, but not electric vehicle technology, and now they're playing catch-up really quickly. Yeah, well, we should also... Yeah, sorry, Mel, go ahead. I was just going to say, we should also acknowledge that Mitsubishi over the last decade has struggled to have any cars in its, mm. you know, yep. uh, well, in put, its put, lineup in that, you know, currently just on the website now, they've got Triton, Pajero Sport, Outlander, Eclipse Cross, ASX. Yeah. Um, jump over to the Toyota website and you'll see, you know, three or four times that much in a, in a model lineup at the moment. Yeah. And the ASX has been around since, is it 20, 2010? It's, it's long in the tooth. Yeah. It is long in the tooth. It's yeah. at least a decade old. Um, with some anyway. with some facelifting yeah. here and there. Just acknowledging I think, that. I think Jesus drove one at one point. Oh, really? Okay. That's a matter of opinion. The first generation. It's more the Middle East market. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right, now, no, but I think mm. in that in the context of that comment, Mal, it's interesting and worth pointing out that every couple of years from 2013 up to 2017, which coincidentally or not is the time at which Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi joined the Renault-Nissan alliance, um, Mitsubishi was out there putting concept car, EV concept cars into the world. And so 2013 was the C.A. Miev concept and to quote Mitsubishi at that time, 2013, ever since it started R&D on electromobility back in 1966, today's Mitsubishi Motors Corporation always considered that electric vehicles should eventually become long-term core products, a view vindicated by recent concerns over global warming. And they also talked about a self-imposed objective of 20% of EV-based cars by 2020. Um, and, well, lo and behold, here we are in 2022. So when that statement was made, uh, that was before the alliance, though, wasn't it? It was, pre-alliance. Yeah. So, But that, that car, that car, back in 2013, nearly a decade ago, mm-hmm. 300 kilometres of range, it had a 0.26 drag coefficient, uh, 80 kilowatt motor, inverter and charger. It, it, it had it all uh, going on. Yep, but re- rewind back another four years and they had a production vehicle, which from memory, I think it was the first to actually launch a, a full EV, the IMEV the in Australia. They, yeah. that, they were, yeah, that was 2009. It was the first mass-produced electric vehicle ever sold on the planet. And I, th- I think it came here in 2011. It had mm. disappeared by 2012. Yep. It cost nearly 50 grand. That price yep. didn't change. And it was little, 3.4 metres long. And, it, and here's the thing. If you see one on Australian roads, that's a rare car because three, oh, three were registered in 2011. 
81 in 2012 and it returned to zero in, in 2013. So 80, 84 cars, if you see one, that's a rare car. But it's, it's symbolic of Mitsubishi having made massive progress a long time ago, uh, well ahead of everybody else. So we've gone from yeah. an absolute leader in this world yeah. to, uh, no, nah, we're not going to do it until, you know, till it's okay. And Westcott, yeah. point, he actually points that out. He goes, people think we don't know how to produce one. He brought up the IMEV and said, look, we've known how to, we understand the technology. We've been able to yeah. do it for years and years and years. Don't think we had to have one because we don't know how to do it. I absolutely don't think that at all. They were the first to market with a mass-produced electric vehicle. Yeah. I just think that you've got Kia and you've got Hyundai who have just pressed the button and they're going and their timing is just much better than Mitsubishi's. I think Mitsubishi sure. didn't expect the take-up to be at this rate. I mean, Sean actually yeah. said to me, he goes, look, only 2% of, of cars sold are electric vehicles. But if you look at that 2%, that is a 267% jump yeah. on yeah. this time last year, year to date yeah. July. Um, it's, you know, you don't have to be an you know, actuarial student to work out that in, in, in two or three years' time. It could be 10% of the market. But is it not also the case, Richard, that we've seen this plethora of new models arrive? So sales is one thing, but intent is another. And so many brands are just obviously red-hot keen mm, on like, get, getting, getting ahead of the curve, you know? Yeah, length of the waiting list for those on the market suggests yeah. that the potential is well in excess of actual sales. Could I also just Absolutely. mention, to, to get another two concepts um, on the table, 2015, so two years after that first one, they were offering up the EX concept, which was a twin motor, so an all-wheel drive, uh, and it had 400-kilometre claimed range. The two 70-kilowatt motors gave you 140 in total. Um, it had, get this, an intelligent display in the center of the dash linked to the driver's smartphone. Wow, that's that's out there technology. And, yep. the, and the 2017, so the year of the uh, joining the alliance, they had the e-evolution concept, which was uh, an interesting one. Again, four-wheel drive. It had some, you know, electric camera mirrors and things, but the game hadn't moved on a whole lot by then. It was It was pretty much repackaging a similar kind of thing. It hasn't. And look, I've gone through every single Mitsubishi website in the world and I've counted two electric vehicles. You've got the wow. Airtrek, which is a China China only, and it's basically an Outlander, but it's an yeah. all-electric vehicle. Yeah. And then only two weeks ago, Mitsubishi Japan launched the EK Cross, which is yeah. a small K-car electric, electric vehicle. It's cute, but it's very Japanese in that it looks like a little bus, but it's about the size of a bread tin type of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, K-cars, I'm a K-car lover. I think we, you know, despite safety um, question marks, I'd love to see some K cars, uh, yeah. more K cars in this world. Anyway, but that's a whole other story. And back to the IMEV, you know, I've been one of four adults in an IMEV and I may not be Richard Berry height, but yeah. it was all the car four adults needed. No, you may not be Richard Maybe not Berry height. I thought you meant well, I've been one four adults ever in... <laughs> Well, listen, close. While, we're, while we're talking, planes, trains and dogs and cars mm. has uh, taken the position of Mitsubishi and said, you know, we gave you the IMEV, what more do you want? You know, that that that's almost like, you know, one and done. We're, yeah, we did it. Yeah, we've done it. <laughs> okay, right on. Um, so, yeah, f fair comment. But, um, yeah, that's, that's the long and short of it, eh, that uh, yeah. it's no action at this point. 
I think, look, I think the company line, and I think it's a global company line, I don't think it's just Mitsubishi Australia. I don't think it's just Mitsubishi Australia's not, or Mitsubishi Global's not allowing Australia to have any electric vehicles. I actually don't think that they've got any electric vehicles to give us. And this is the company line that once the infrastructure is in place, once energy is green, and yeah. you know, once consumers are ready, we'll do it. I actually think that's just trying to you know, buy time until they have something they can bring well, to market. I mean, product, product planning probably in any category, but motor cars, most of all, because they're such an elaborate um, piece of machinery, is a dark art. And, and <sighs> you know, not everybody gets it 100% right all the time. So this whole electric wave and do we go hybrid, do we go plug-in, do we go full EV, people are approaching it in different ways. Do we go hydrogen? The ones with the deepest pockets can do all of it. Um, and and the ones that maybe don't have the the ultimate funding have to make a plunge in one direction or another. And there's a there's a real truth behind Mitsubishi's current strategy with the plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, mm. and they've got they've got two, and they've got the Eclipse Cross and the Outlander, mm. in that they cost more than a full EV or a you know a series hybrid to produce because you've got a bit of everything in this one car. That's yes, right. You need to price it underneath the full EV and above the other, but. Anyway, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Electric vehicle sales are going to take off. They already are at 267%, but they're going to go through the roof. We're going to have way more electric vehicles than we're going to have chargers. People are going to be queuing around the block just just to charge their car. The grid's going to collapse. But I tell you what, it's the only way that we're actually (laughs) going to be able to do something about it because we just, as I said, Humans aren't great at planning for future events. We're much better at dealing with situations that arise in yeah. front of our eyes. And and there's a, a, a really important motivation behind uh, the decision to buy an EV beyond environmental concerns mm. in that they are nice to drive. Yes. They are forgetting petrol They're prices. Refined. Yep. Mm. They are nice to drive and easy to drive. Easy. Well, the thing is, the, the three of us and our colleagues, we're in a position where we're a little bit ahead of that in that we've been driving a lot of EVs lately, mm. whereas people are possibly considering their next or the purchase after their, their current car um, as an EV. And I've got to say, a lot of the, like recently, the BMW iX was just a really fantastic experience. Yeah. So I love driving that thing. And, and I'm looking forward to the, the new models that we're about to see. Um, the one hang-up I've got is about performance and sports cars with electric. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm not really feeling the love for an electric sports car. Drove the Taycan. Yeah, it's fast and all that, but fast doesn't mean yeah. engagement. And that's just a stumbling block for me so far. But I'm in really loving the electric cars that we've been seeing recently. We're living, we're living in 2024, and it's pretty good, apart from Trump getting back in. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> right. The Richard Berry time machine. All right. Richard's internet is really good. Really Let's take good. him into the future. All right. That's um, that's fantastic. Good discussion. And we'll see mm-hmm. where uh, Mitsubishi heads. We'll be watching with um, an eagle eye uh, to see where they go with EVs in Australia, if anywhere, um, in the next little while. All right. With that, we will now move to the news, de- news desk this week in the news. And uh, the idea is to give you a little taste of what's been clicking uh, furiously on our site. And Richard, can I kick off with you? It's a story, actually, that you authored. Um, give us a taste of uh, what Ampol's been up to or oh, will yes. be up to at its, at its retail sites around the country. Okay. They're pulling out the petrol pumps and they're putting in electric chargers. Well, almost, almost. So 
Ampol's going to be rolling out 120 charges around Australia by December next year. By Christmas time next year, they'll have 120 Australia-wide. They're doing a five-station service station pilot program. So there's one in Alexandria, which is the newest one, which or the first one which opened. There's one in Castledine in Queensland. One's opening in Belmont, <clears throat> excuse me, end of the month, end of this month, August. Is and, Bel- that's um, Belmont near Newcastle? In New no, South sorry, Wales? Belmont in Western Australia. Belmont in Western Australia. Okay. Um, and there's going to be another one in North Al- Altona in Victoria as well. Um, and then I think another, a second uh, New South Wales site will be opening too. It's a trial run. Uh, the charge is 60 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, and I went down and spoke to a couple of people, like a true journalist, and uh, found out the other day how that they are, how they're coping with the one in Alexandria. Yeah. Um, the word was that it was slow, but I think these people were new electric vehicle owners and they were coming to the realisation that electric charging is slow even on a fast charger. Just interesting in itself, right? Yeah. Yes. That's it. Um, so, yeah, look, and I, I called BP, actually, because I thought it'd be sloppy journalism to write a story just about Ampol. And I called BP and I said, look, I'm writing this story. What's BP doing? And um, they said that they will be rolling out 100 charges over the next couple of years as well, starting um, at the end of this year. So it's all happening. Uh, Petrol stations are turning to charging stations. And And all the the details are in your story, you know, for people that want to give that a click. Sorry, Mel, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's, it's, you know, a lot of charge stations are currently sitting in the back of car parks, but how much nicer Mm -hmm. is it to to go somewhere where there's a toilet, you know? Yep, yep. And I think we've touched on before that that the idea and there's some trial sites, I think it is BP, Richard, maybe you correct me if I'm wrong, that it's almost like a little, um, there's some shops, there's a lounge, there's accommodating people that have to wait a little while while their car charges up. And imagine how many Mars bars they're going to eat That approach as well, you know. (laughs) One size Mars bars. (laughs) All right, I'll, I'll uh, go next. This is a story that uh, our own news editor, Tung, um, authored to the week, and he's got some intel on the next Mustang. And much and all, as we've just been talking about electrification and full electric cars, we're talking Ford Mustang, and his big headline is that the V8 will stay alive in the next update of that car, and in fact, it will have more power. Exactly how much power? It's around 500 horsepower in the old money. You can get all the details in in the story. So they're getting that out of a five-litre naturally aspirated engine. A few other details, some updates in the cabin around screens and the steering wheel and and what have you. So really interesting update because I suppose on the one hand, you've got people who are into V8s and all of that. There's apprehension like, oh, you know, it's going to be an electric future. Well, for the time being, it looks like you'll be able to uh, still purchase a grunty, naturally aspirated engine, rear-wheel drive, six-speed manual. You can have your 10-speed auto as well. So all of that old-school stuff. At a reasonable package. price. At a reasonable yeah. price. So, you know, there buy, you go. buy it before you can't. Like, seriously, you can. I think there, there are lots of people who um, who are thinking, Should I, is, is now the right time to buy an electric vehicle? I'd say, no, now is the right time to buy the biggest petrol engine vehicle you can get because... Yes. There'll be plenty of time to buy an EV later. Well, maybe it's the time to buy it, drain all the fluids, hermetically seal it, and set it aside <laughs> for like half a decade. They'll be illegal. They'll be banned. They'll have dogs maybe. sniffing them out. Are maybe. you going to store some petrol as well, James? Tupperware? Oh, look, I think my theory is that gasoline will go full circle, and you used to go and buy it at the drugstore, you know, the yeah. chemist. Um, now, now it's everywhere. Then it'll be this niche purchase that you buy at a special place in little bottles, and you fill yeah. your car and all that. It'll, it'll be like it'll vinyl. go full circle. Yeah, it'll be for yeah. enthusiasts like buggy whips. You know, it'll be yeah. the same thing. Okay, buggy now Mal, whips, what? 
Phil is in, have you seen Other People's Money? It's the movie, Other People's Money. I think it's a Danny DeVito scene. Anyway, um, <laughs> now, Mal, your news coverage relates to a story that our own Matt Campbell uh, yeah, through the week. Right back to reality, but yep. also not quite reality yet, or the reality we wish it would be. <clears throat> so Hyundai makes a Casper SUV that is a tiny SUV, and you'd think, They already made a tiny SUV in the venue, and then there's the Kona and the Tucson and the Santa Fe. So there's quite a spectrum of SUVs, but they also have one in overseas markets called the Casper, maybe limited to South Korea at this point, and it is funky as all hell. so cute. Inside and out. It is cool. Uh, And it would be really great, and Matt's arguing that they should bring it to Australia. Well, and, um, uh, pa- sorry, Mel, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, f- for the key purpose of enabling Hyundai to offer a car for under $20,000. That's it. That's which it. Which is really hard to find these days. Yeah. That's the thing. Because, you know, Hyundai, through through force of circumstance, you know, labour costs in the domestic market in their, their plants in Korea um, went up as standard of, living's went, uh, standard of living went up. They've kind of vacated that entry point uh, to the market, so this could be an opportunity to to get back in there. Yeah. It's cute. It's like a venue, only it's just smaller, adorable. Yeah. Well, people people on YouTube, you'll be able to see some pictures and others. The story's there on our site, so go and have a look at it. It's it's Matt's opinion. It's his it's his pitch, I suppose, to Hyundai that that we need it and they need it. And if you agree, please write to your local member, Matt Campbell, Care of Cars Guide. Yes, the Honourable Matt Campbell. That's right. All right. (laughs) With that, we will go to cars that are actually in our garage. Mm. Okay. Now, real metal, fresh metal. Um, that we've been steering, and I would like to kick it off with you, please, Mal. It's it's a vehicle that we've, um, shall we say, had a little bit of coverage of lately, but it's it's your most recent experience with it. Yeah, finally, I've managed to drive the new Ranger, uh, which is the launch of the year to date, and quite arguably the entire year. Uh, but particularly, I've driven it in the Wildtrak V6, guys. So finally, there's a V6 in the Ranger. Uh, the wild track is current top of the range until they launch the Raptor. Uh, so V6 diesel. And I'll give you a little teaser. We have done everything you might want to do with it uh, and compared it directly against all the models, all the most important models you might be considering buying it against. Oh, did you did you take it to the good. Wednesday night street tracks? Yes. Just the teaser, James. All okay, will be sorry, and the brothers kept everything will be revealed. Down the road. <laughs> but, you- but sorry, whose place? Just the just the kebab shop. Yes, just spend a lot of time there. Like the that. <laughs> what? Always, Richard, I always. Time. Anyway, uh, mm. but I, what I can tell you is that it is a very, very good Ute. Um, as Byron found at the launch, as we've expected it to be, as the model before, you know, was reigned as the best Ute you could buy until the very end. So you'd hope so, um, but it's also far from perfect. So right. keep an eye on carsguide.com.au and our associated platforms for more. Oh, <laughs> okay, that's what's good. an associated platform? Like Auto Trader. <laughs> is that is that one? Uh, yeah. YouTube, Certainly. Facebook, Instagram, or- TikTok. Um, what else? We've got a TikTok, don't we? We do. We do. Yes. We do. Now, Richard, mm. this is you've been driving a car with the same corporate badge. 
it's, yes. a, it's a different model, but yes. you've been with it for some time. Yes. So probably from the most popular uh, Ford model to, just, I guess, one of their other uh, Ford models, that's the uh, Ford Escape. It's a really, really good SUV. It's just that nobody buys it uh, because they're buying Toyota RAV4s and Kia Sportages yeah. and Hyundai Tucson's and Outlanders and things like that. But it's a mid-size SUV. It's a five-seater it's really comfortable. It's great to drive. It's about $39,000, uh, which is too expensive, which is probably the reason why it doesn't sell very well. Um, yep. You can buy you know, a Toyota RAV4 for about 10 grand less. Um, do, do you reckon it needs to be low 30s or at 30s? It, like it needs to be $29,990. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they will sell loads of them. Like uh, the Tucson. Yeah, yeah like the Tucson. It's made, in, it's made in Cologne in Germany. Um, it's well-built. Uh, things I don't like about it. It's got it's got a dial for the shifter, uh, but they don't do dials like Kia does dials. Kia Kia just has park reverse and drive, so you can just fling it like yeah. that from reverse yeah. to drive. When Whereas, you're rushing to park it, you mean? Yes, yeah, so when you're rushing kid to park. on the back seat. Yeah. yeah. But with Ford, they've got every gear on there. They've got park, drive, reverse, everything on there. Right. Um, and it's and you can get stuck on it. Um, when you were mentioning that flicking from drive to reverse, mm. Richard, I was imagining an old-school rocker test where you just, you know, <laughs> pin it and just go reverse to drive. And You can wow, do that, actually. That's some serious yeah. testing. I was yeah. visualising highway patrol J-turns. Mm. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. the other drive. time you go reverse, reverse. drive. <laughs> Without looking, because you're, you're flicking the wheel at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. scenery. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. right. Yeah. Uh, so look, it's been it's been good. It's a long term test. The yep. uh, the first instalment of that is coming out in about a week's time. Uh, yep. We'll be doing a video a little bit later on as well. Uh, yep. But yeah, it's getting the full full Berry family treatment like the Outlander did. So Super. yeah, all right, that's good. Berry family sounds sweet. Mm. It does <laughs> um, now. I, I can I can round us out with the Hyundai Palisade and mm. our story on the updated Palisade uh, went up today, so it's fresh news. The big news is the entry-level model's gone, so you're now talking 65, nearly 66,000 entry point, up to about 80,000 at the top. Elite and Highlander grade only now. Um, and you can have a 3.8-litre petrol Atmo V6 in front-wheel drive models and a 2.2-litre turbo diesel 4 in all-wheel drive models. Seven and eight seat, as previously, um, and an eight-speed auto, and there you go. It's been refreshed outside and in a bit of interior uh, zhuzhing, New tech improved safety significantly. And uh, the pluses for me, the refinement, it's got these new dampers in the mix with an extra sliding valve to manage frequency, and it does a top job. It really does ride well. There's extra sound insulation. The, the glass in the rear doors is thicker, and, and you can feel all that adding up to a, a more refined drive. Mm. It's huge. It's still huge. So practicality, uh, it's pretty good. The safety's been updated. There's been a lot about Palisade safety. Recently scoring a four-star result. It's now up to five stars. It's had things like a front centre airbag, some rear brake assist, multi-collision brake has been added as well. On the downside, the petrol's pretty thirsty um, and there's no hybrid. So uh, and the, the steering feel is is. It's okay. It's it's not great, but I, I think this car has the value overall to stand up as a really solid choice for people looking for a big family um, SUV. 
Um, it's it's a, hi- a hybrid powertrain would be nice, mm. um, but the Santa Fe will offer hybrid power later this year, mind you. So that might come in time. But uh, that that was my take on that car. I think I think it's actually a pretty good package. Can I point out it also has proper third row airbags, unlike a lot of cars. Yes, yes. cover all three rows. And I got to tell you, even though there's the cheeky kind of divot in the hood liner to allow your head to go up higher, um, I. I I was able to sit pretty comfortably back there. And so you're, you're three in the back, not adults. Kids will be fine. Mm. Um, but I thought it was pretty impressive. And you get your USBs, you get some vents in the ceiling, get all kinds of things to make life just a little more comfortable. It's very American, though. I, I That front, I love what they've done with the restyling of the front. It looks tough as, but it's it such like an American. It looks like a transformer. It looks like a transformer. It does, yeah. Totally. Well, they call it. Palisade sounds like Escalade. Now it looks a bit more like an Escalade. Uh-huh. Well, um, planes, yep. trains, and dogs and cars has ch- chipped in again. Says, couldn't they make the grill just a bit bigger though? You know, yeah, <laughs> um, which would overtake the entire car. Stand um, by the for, for the next. But the, place, actually, yeah. mentioning that, the tricky thing is that the transformer bit that looks like a robot's ears on the grill are mm. actually the indicators, and they're tinted grey, so it looks like part of the grill until the, <gasps> they illuminate, which is kind of tricky. Yeah, you um, can't see through them, but the light can see and through And a nice them. little detail. Fancy. I, I liked it anyway, but I'm easily impressed. Um, okay, now, look, with that, we've reached the finish line. What? So um, it's time to say quick. It's thanks to all our listeners and viewers, and thank you, Mel. Pleasure, James. You're welcome. And, and thank you, Richard. Thank you, guys. And well done to our production multitasker, Mr. Brett Sullivan. His mechanical sympathy is questionable, though, because today he's wearing a T-shirt saying, don't be gentle, it's a rental. Um, jump into the conversation. Cars Guide is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Or traditionalists can email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five is the preferred number of stars. Um, and viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But uh, before we go, was picking up my car from dealer service this week and saw a mechanic oh, yeah. saw a mechanic wedged under the steering wheel of a, of a Commodore and it looked like he was trying to disassemble the entire lower part of the dash. What model Commodore was it? Oh, I think it was a VN, early one. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. I asked the manager what was going Security. on and he said the owner's toddler had managed to drop a bunch of coins down through the ventilation system and he was trying to get them out. So he called out to the young bloke to see if he was making any progress. And the response was, no change yet. Oh, God. Wow. Well, he doesn't have to worry about that because VNs are worth a million dollars now. They are. I learned to drive on a VN. SS. Aren't you still learning? I am. I'm almost there. A couple more hours to go and I've got my P's. (laughs) 